Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you. You know, I've been gone a bit. Don't know if you remember my name. I'm Shannon Bond. I'm the pastor here. I've missed you so much. It's been so good to see your smiling faces today. I mean, I, I love the smiling faces I have at home. Sometimes you need just a little something to change the scenery. And I'm glad to be back here with you. Um, it was so strange to not be here on Sunday morning with you. It was odd to be looking at a, a, a screen, a device. And, but I do want to say uh, thank you. Um, Wednesday, I preached my aunt's funeral. I'm not doing announcements. Y'all can read announcements, I'm sure. Um, I, I need to say thank you to some folks. Um, on Wednesday, I had the opportunity to preach um, funeral for my aunt, my, my aunt Mel. She's been on our prayer list. Um, and so on Wednesday, after, the, after it was over, I had to go to you know, where my dad grew up, walk around the house and such. Anyway, so my cousin comes out, and we're talking, and he says, Oh, how long of a trip do you have? Don't you have to get back for Wednesday night? And I said, they don't need me. And, and I know that you want me to be here. You called me to be your pastor. But I knew we were in good hands. I knew the deacons were going to take care of Wednesday night prayer meeting. I knew that Brooke and, and the team uh, was gonna, were going to have things done and going well in the children's ministry. Um, I knew that Jared was going to take care of the youth. And, and uh, I, did, I knew things were going to be handled. And so I'm so thankful for... Uh, your service here. Jared, thank you so much for... Jared had to... Do y'all know that Jared's now our, our part-time youth minister? Anybody not know that? At our last business meeting, our church surprised Jared and called him to be our part-time youth minister. So um, if you haven't gotten a chance to, to say uh, congratulations to him, make sure you do that. He's been doing a great job, and I know he'll continue to do a great job. But he was pressed into service when I got COVID. Um, Still be in prayer for, for Tommy and for his family. I know the loss of Joyce has been hard. Uh, but Jared stepped in and preached the funeral. And he stepped in last Sunday morning and uh, preached to you guys from, from First Peter uh, about craving uh, the, the whole milk, the, the spiritual milk. And just grateful for that. Grateful for the deacons last Sunday. Um, recognizing a need and just calling a, a business meeting to say, let's meet this need. And so... Uh, my cousin kind of laughed when I said, they don't need me. And the truth is, there's a, there's a lot of times I feel like you don't need me, but I'm glad that you choose to have me. Um, anyway, enough about that. I'm just so thankful for you. I just hope you know that. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so glad to see you. And I love you so much. And it's just an honor to be, to be your pastor. Um, does anybody need to make an announcement after all that kind of... Ranting and raving? Anybody? Okay. Well, I know you can read, so we'll just dispense with that. Um, I do want to lead us in a call to worship this morning. And uh, I want to read to you Psalm 52. Um, Psalms are such a wonderful way to start worship. Uh, because Psalms are so gritty and honest and raw and real. And it, it, it doesn't kind of tiptoe around some of the hardness some of the harshness of this world. And so this is a, in, in the ESV Bible, it's, this is entitled, The Steadfast Love of God Endures. And this was a time when, when David was going through a really hard time. And he just trusted in the steadfast love of the Lord. It's almost like he's having a conversation 
with his enemy. And he says in verse 1, Why do you boast of evil, O mighty man? The steadfast love of God endures all the day. Your tongue plots destruction like a sharp razor, you worker of deceit. You love evil more than good and lying more than speaking what is right. You love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue. I know that as we look around, we may not be like David and have, excuse me, this specific enemy that he had at this time. But man, aren't the enemies of God, aren't they like a herd of elephants just running around making all kinds of noise? So I think we can identify with David when, when we look at them knowing what we know and say, what are you getting all riled up about? Why are you acting like that? Verse 5, but God will break you down forever. He will snatch and tear you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous shall see and fear and shall laugh at him, saying, See the man who would not make God his refuge, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and sought refuge in his own destruction. All of you who are standing up with your chest poking out, proud to be enemies of God, you just don't know what God's about to do to you. But then David turns his attention to himself and who he is before God. He says, but I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I'm full of life. God takes care of me. He's planted me in a great place. He's tending me so that I can produce fruit for him. So David says, I trust in the steadfast love of the Lord forever and ever. I will thank you forever because you have done it. Aren't we glad he's done it? You have done it. I will wait for your name, for it is good in the presence of the godly. Let's stand and sing praises to our Lord.
week is homecoming, right? Is that right? That is right. And so Friday night, there's going to be, uh, aren't they going to crown the homecoming queen? Is there just a queen or is there a king also? Just a queen. Just a queen. Okay. Oh, there is. There's supposed to be a king this year? Yep. How, how is the king determined? You vote on it, right? You know, if the earth had a vote, who would be king? Not Jesus. I am so thankful that we have a king who was appointed by his father and is good. And we can't vote him out of office. I'm so thankful for that. You know, it is that time of year when we are considering how we as a church, we as individuals, support Texas missions. We've been watching videos about um, Mary Hill Davis and about um, what it means to be on mission here in Texas. This morning, we're going to watch a video. It's going to show uh, about how some of the money that we give is spent down around the border in River Missions. Um, our church goal is $6,000, and up to this point, we've given $3,340. I think that's really good. If you haven't had a chance to give to, uh, yet, or you can mark that on your check, or you can, if you'd like to deal with cash, there should be a Mary Hill Davis offering envelope somewhere around you. You can grab that, throw it in there, and uh, put it in the offering plate. So let's uh, turn our attention to the screens. We'll watch a video about River Ministries. I'm Vanessa Lerma, River Ministry Missionary in the Rio Grande Valley. We serve in the Rio Grande Valley alongside our churches, impacting our communities, sharing the gospel, sharing the hope of Christ. Also ministering to immigrants, doing immigrant relief, doing uh, training to churches. We're so grateful for the hygiene kids that your WMU group, your church, your youth group, your children's group have been able to provide for families in the Rio Grande Valley. Through this pandemic, close to 20,000 families have been uh, blessed through uh, the ministry that we're able to provide for them. And all of this is possible because of Texas Baptist giving to Mary Hill Davis offering. Mary Hill Davis Missions offering has been a blessing in our community. One example is Clarita and Rafael. They came to help, um, not knowing Christ yet, not knowing and having a relationship uh, with the Lord. They were able to come and volunteer because they knew there was a need. And as they did so, they knew that there was something else missing, and that was Jesus Christ in their hearts. Mi nombre es Clara Virrueta. Me llamo Rafael Virrueta y soy voluntario del Ministerio del Río. Nosotros comenzamos a venir a esta iglesia en el 2019 a recibir las cajas de, de vegetales, las cajas de despensa, y nos quedábamos a ayudar desde el primer momento que venimos, nos sentimos como en casa, que teníamos una familia más grande. El ataque que me dio, yo no creí ese, que fuera a tener tanta ayuda espiritualmente, y por eso... Me siento muy contento aquí en la iglesia y no pienso irme solamente que me corra. River Ministry is such a, a blessing in the Rio Grande Valley, but it is a lot of hard work. 
and it's a lot of ground to carry, a lot of area to be able to minister uh, to families and communities. And we couldn't be able to do that without you, without Texas Baptist, without uh, the missions um, uh, groups that come down and serve our communities and come alongside our churches. We've been hearing a lot about what's been going on at the river, uh, so we decided that uh, we would come to see for ourselves what was really going on. We had vacation Bible school material, we had Bibles, we had coloring books. We needed more things. We didn't have nearly enough to be able to provide for all the needs there. It was so great because here are these grown men sitting there reading the material that we had handed out to them. And the kids were looking at the, the material that we had given them. And you know, that was our prayer, that God would take whatever we took and use it. And that's, that's what happened. And with the Mary Hill Davis offering for the state, it, it's a huge contributing factor to the success of all the ministries that are going on here. And without that, it would be even harder to meet the needs of the people that are here. It doesn't have to be an overseas uh, mission trip. You can do God's work here in, 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 uh, in the backyard of Texas and experience that and what God wants to do through you and see how you can impact other families through your uh, God-given gifts. You can pray, you can go, or you can give. Thank you, Texas Baptist, for giving to the Mary Davis offering to support Texas Missions. I am Texas Missions. I am Texas Missions. We are all Texas Missions. Let's stand together.
come before you this morning. And we raise your name. We long for the day that we will all be around your throne. Face down. Worshiping you because in all your glory. You're unfathomable to us right now. we will lay all the crowns that we gathered for ourselves here at your feet. And there will come a day that every nation, every tongue will worship you. So we will glorify you as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You will be the Lamb which sits on the throne, and we will worship your name for all of eternity. And heaven won't be about us. It'll be about you. And so God, this morning as your people, we want to have that attitude that you alone are God and we are not. And so we sing, Jesus, to your name. And we worship you. And we confess that we are not worthy. And we need you to envelop the praises of your people so our hearts can be changed today. So God, we sing this song to you. Jesus Christ alone, our Savior and our Lord, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. If you would take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Colossians, book of Colossians.
we've been in a sermon series that plan, I had some time to plan some things out ahead a little bit, a little more than I perhaps normally do. We're going to stay, this series is going to take us all the way through, right, right up to Thanksgiving. Normally, we have Thanksgiving, we have uh, <clears throat> a Lord's Supper service. So, you might think, why in the world do we need to take that long to talk about getting saved? Um, I, I just think that, you know, the, the author of Hebrews writes and describes the salvation that's ours in Christ as so great a salvation. And um, we can often, maybe not wrongly, not, not with lacking feeling in our heart or a fuller understanding, but sometimes we say, I'm saved. And, 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 and that's absolutely true. Um, but when we take time to dig into the scripture and to look and see what does it mean that we have gotten saved? The pictures, just the way that we can look at it. And uh, it just occurred to me while we were singing these songs that we were singing, did <clears throat> y'all notice the theme? It's the theme of, of Jesus as king. And we're going to crown him with many crowns. Whose, whose crowns are those that, that, are, that are going to be given to Jesus? All the kings of the earth, given to Christ. We might even think of ourselves as kings. Any crown we have, we're going to take and we're going to lay at his feet. We're going to, to put them on his head because he has secured for us so great a salvation. We've looked at it from so many different ways. And this morning, we're going to look at how God reconciles himself to us through Christ. So if you would please, uh, Colossians 1, 19 through 22, if you would please stand for the reading of God's word. Colossians 1, 19 through 22, and this is God's word. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Let's pray. Father, I pray that um, when this time is over, of looking at these scriptures and allowing them to form our mind, about what it means to be reconciled to you through Christ. That, that we would just be in awe. Just filled with worship. Just a desire to see all crowns, all glory, all honor, all worship go to our Savior. We thank you for him and his sacrifice. And it's through him we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> um, I know this is not lost on you, this doesn't escape your notice, but it sure seems like people like to fight now, don't you think? I mean, there's just, it seems, seems to be conflict and struggle and strife everywhere you turn. Now, we come by it honest, we kind of like to fight and scruff and scramble with people. Um, I grew up in a home with another brother, 
And, and we sometimes get into a little scrap. And when we couldn't get our situation fixed, my dad had a way of fixing it. It didn't have anything to do with tearing up my backside. He would tell my brother and I, say, you go into the living room and you sit down on that couch and you hold each other's hand. Would you like that, Brady? I didn't either. I didn't like it one bit. You know, and so it didn't, here's, here's the thing. There was some brokenness in the relationship between my brother and I. And we were taking it out on each other. We were treating each other like enemies. And when I sat down on that couch and I reluctantly reached over and grabbed his hand, there was still no part of me that wanted to be reconciled to my brother. All I wanted to do was to grip my teeth and get through ever how long dad made us sit on the couch and hold each other's hand. So kids, if you get to... Lily, when you and Ella have to sit on the couch and hold hands, you're welcome. Don't remember your pastor loves you. At any rate, we like to fight. Um, I don't know that we understand... How, how much is involved with the reconciliation? This morning we are going to talk about how God reconciles us as sinners to himself through Christ. Um, reconciliation is needed. That's the first point. Reconciliation is needed. There's, there's a problem. Reconciliation is needed because a relationship is broken. See, my brother and I, we had a broken relationship. We like to fight with one another. And so the problem was is that we needed to be reconciled. But there had to, something had to happen to deal with the problem. We might have sat on the couch and held each other's hand and agreed, we're going to stop this fighting so long as we don't have to hold each other's hand. And if Dad doesn't catch wind of our fighting, he won't make us hold hands so we don't have to reconcile. But Paul is not talking about broken relationships on a human level. Paul's talking about relationships between God and sinful humanity. See, when a relationship is broken, the relationship that once enjoyed peace and harmony is now fractured, and former friends are now estranged and are maybe even enemies. So when you consider... The, the relationship is broken between God and sinful humanity. You know, it, it, it's sad these days. And, and I know it, always, it has not always been this way. The divorce rate is so high in our country. And there was a time, and I think it was in the 70s, when no-fault divorce was introduced. Before that, there had to be some sort of infidelity, if I understand this right. But then when no-fault divorce was introduced, people could get divorced over irreconcilable differences. In other words, you know, it's my fault, it's her fault, it's his fault. However it works, there's fault on both sides. But that is absolutely not the case in the relationship between God and sinful humanity. Sinful humanity is absolutely, 100%, totally, completely to blame. God is not fault in any way at all. Because sinful humanity is in Adam by birth, we're enemies of God by birth. It's not just that. 
Remember, David said, I know that I was born in iniquity, but he also said, my sin is ever before me. So it's not as just, just as if we're born into kind of the Hatfields and McCoys and there's this strike. No, we're actively fighting whichever side we put ourselves on, either Hatfields or McCoys. We're actively fighting against God as his enemy. So reconciliation is needed because the relationship is broken. It's the relationship between God and sinful humanity. And if that relationship is not reconciled, then condemnation is certain. See, here's the thing. I know that this happens on a daily basis all the time. People fight with one another, and they decide this is not worth reconciling. We're just going to live and let live. But here's the thing. God can't let bygones be bygones. This isn't a relationship of equals. Sinners may ignore God, but God will not ignore sinners. He will not sweep our sin under the rug and ignore it. Condemnation is certain since God is holy and just. You see, God must punish sin. He must condemn sinners. So this relationship is broken. We're the ones who broke it. And if we don't become reconciled to God, then condemnation is absolutely certain. Now I want to ask you a question. Of all the words on that string, We'll probably have different answers, but that's okay. What's the most important word on that screen? Tell you which one it is to me. It's relationship. Here's why. Because so often, what what people wind up doing with salvation is just making it about the removal of condemnation. But notice, we're not just saved from condemnation. We're saved for a relationship with God. And very often I fear that people who have come to salvation have come on the basis of wanting their condemnation dealt with. I don't want that, but they don't necessarily want the relationship with God. So I ask you, if you are reconciled to God, how is your relationship with Him? Let me ask you this. If you spent as much time with your spouse as you spend with God, would your spouse be neglected? If you spend as much time at work as you spend with God, would your cows get fed? God created us for a relationship with Him. And in reconciliation, He does what is necessary to restore that relationship so we can have relationships. Reconciliation is needed, but do you understand that reconciliation is difficult? It's difficult, and there's a number of reasons why. Reconciliation is difficult because of God's enmity. Now, I want you to notice in verse 20, it says here, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. The reason Christ had to make peace is because there was no peace. Where there should have been a peaceful, harmonious relationship, there was brokenness and enmity. 
And that enmity was because of our sin. Therefore, verse 21 says, And you who once were alienated. Those who sin against God. Sinners are alienated from God because of that. And I've told you this before. And I don't know how it lands, but it's biblical truth. We know God hates sin. God has enmity toward sin, but we need not forget. God has enmity. He hates sinners. I've told you this. God doesn't condemn sin to hell. God condemns sinners to hell. So reconciliation is difficult because of God's enmity. God hates sin. He hates sinners, and it is a holy and righteous and just hatred. God's right. He is well within his rights to have enmity toward his enemies. Second reason reconciliation is difficult is because of our animosity. Notice again in verse 21. Paul says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. See, God alienates himself from us. You remember when, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden? They were alienated. God alienated himself from them because they were fallen and unholy. But yet at the same time, sinners alienate themselves from God and show their true colors through their actions. Notice Paul says, hostile in mind. And it's not just hostile in mind. It's doing evil deeds. What the mind conceives, the the heart wants to do. So reconciliation is different because of animosity. And it's not as if sinners are by nature depressed over the loss of our relationship with God. There's part of the animosity. Not only, God, do I sin against you, but I am against you. I don't want you. I don't need you. There is a natural bent as sinners to pour salt in the wound and make matters worse in our relationship to God through our animosity. Third reason reconciliation is difficult is because of our inability. See, as sinners... We don't naturally understand the problem or even its scope, its depth, how much of a problem it is. Therefore, sinners really have no idea what it means to be reconciled to God. So many religions feel like if you're going to make it to heaven, if you're going to make it to God, it is a bottom-up endeavor. I'm going to work. I'm going to do things. I'm going to be good. And some, some person might even walk out here today and say, you know what, I, I'm, I, I'm just going to be better. I'm going to be a good person. Salvation, let me say it again, is not bottom up. If it was, there would be no hope for any of us of salvation because of our inability to do anything at all to save ourselves. So this is why Paul talks about God taking the initiative through Christ. Salvation is not a bottom-up endeavor. It's a top-down endeavor. That's why Paul talks about Christ being incarnated and coming to earth. 
final reason reconciliation is difficult is because of our impurity. Notice what Paul says in verse 21. That the result of being reconciled to God, last part of verse 21, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. The reason that Christ has to do all that is because we are not by instinct, by design, by nature, holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Should we be before God in a sinful state, we would be like the prophet Isaiah, where he was, had a vision that he was in the throne room of God. And when it dawned on him where he was, he said, Woe is me, I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. He knew that to be in the presence of God and have sin meant certain death. And God won't compromise his holiness with the impurity of sinners. And so what did God do with Isaiah? One of the cherubim went and got the tongs and took a hot coal and touched his lips. And he said, your sins have been atoned for. So reconciliation is difficult. Reconciliation is difficult. It's hard from God's side because he's got to be just. And he hates sin. But it's hard from our side because we really make it hard. Through our animosity, our inability, and our impurity. But reconciliation is possible. That's the whole point behind what Paul is saying. It's possible. Listen to this. It is not possible on our terms. Reconciliation with God is in no way possible on our terms. It is only through Him. Look at verse 20. For in Him all the fullness... I'm sorry. And through Him... I'm going to read 19 and 20. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things. Through Him... Reconciliation is possible only through Him. It's only through His incarnation. Verse 20, Paul says, I'm sorry, verse 19. He says, For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to to, to dwell. Knowing that we could not work our way to God, we couldn't be like the people at the Tower of Babel and try to build a tower to heaven. And not wanting us to to stay in that state of lostness and condemnation, Christ took on human flesh, was incarnated, and came to the earth. And Paul says here, all that makes God God was in Christ. It's possible through Christ's work as mediator. 1 Timothy 2.5 says this, For there is only one God... And there is only one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. When there is a conflict, perhaps, I'll just throw this out there. Let's just say this between me and Stephanie. So there's conflict. And we, we can't make the conflict work. We can't work our way through it. We might go to a counselor, and that counselor might help us talk. And that counselor would be a mediator. The counselor's not going to totally take my side. The counselor's not going to totally take Stephanie's side. It's going to work for the good of both of us. has both interests at heart. And that's what Jesus Christ is. As the God-man, Jesus has the, the interest of God who wants to, to, to be merciful and gracious to people but can't because of sin. Christ comes to be the sacrifice so that we might 
have a way to be reconciled to God. And it's Jesus who is the one who mediates all the benefits of his sacrifice to people who come to him by faith. Reconciliation is possible through Christ's atoning sacrifice. Again, in verse 20, Paul says, And through him to reconcile all th- to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. You, you hear there, we spent a good portion of time in Leviticus, and so often we heard about blood, 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 and the sacrifice. And so in order for there to be blood, there had to be a body that was going to be slaughtered. And Paul says in verse 22, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. Christ was that atoning sacrifice. I know you've probably heard this before, but it bears repeating. When you think of the word atonement, break it into three sort of words. There's at-one-ment. At-one-ment. Where there was brokenness and separation, disunity. Now they are, those who were formerly enemies are now at one with one another. That's what atonement means. And because Christ was the atoning sacrifice for sinners, there can be peace. Finally, reconciliation is possible through his cleansing blood. Notice again in verse 22. Paul says, He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. The cleansing blood of Christ. Remember this. Let's say that Christ was sacrificed for our sins. He was. But yet there was still impurity in us. Could we be brought into the presence of God? No. That's why Paul mentions the blood, making peace by the blood of his cross. And in his body of flesh, when he died and his blood was shed, we were cleansed so that Christ might present his people, his redeemed, his saved to God, holy and blameless and above reproach. Christ's cleansing blood makes reconciliation possible. But I also want to, before we, before we end, <clears throat> to show us that reconciliation is expansive. Paul talks about reconciliation in two ways. And, and just to kind of keep a, a, a continuity going between the two definitions, or the two ways of understanding it. Think of reconciliation in this way. A restoration of peace and harmony. Okay, so the, the, the overwhelming thing that Paul's talking about, the overwhelming application of reconciliation in this text applies to the word you. It's in verse 21 and in 22. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds... He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Reconciliation, first and foremost, is about God restoring the relationship to peace and harmony with sinners through the blood of Christ. First and foremost. But it doesn't stop there. 
Paul mentions all things. Look at verse 20 again. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. All things, whether on earth or in heaven. Now, this verse, and I know you probably could see how someone would do this. This verse has been used by people to say, well, Satan's going to be reconciled to God. Sinners who are in hell right now, they're going to be reconciled to God. This is wrong. This is a wrong interpretation. This is not what Paul would... Paul would disagree with that wholeheartedly. Because he talks in in chapter 2, verse 8, about the elemental spirits of the world, about philosophy and empty deceit. So it's not like he's saying all things are going to be reconciled to God. All people. He is saying that, you know, we look around... Our world, and we see hurricanes, and we see wildfires, and we see floods, and we see tornadoes, we see all kind of natural disaster. We we see plagues and and pandemics and and so many things. We see poor government. Um, We see death. But everything that God has created... He will reconcile to, he will restore to peaceful harmony. How do we know that? We look at the end of Revelation when it says there's a new heaven and a new earth. A new heaven came out, came came down to came down to earth. God's going to restore all things. It won't just be us in a relationship with him. He's going to restore all things to the peaceful harmony that they enjoyed before the fall. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says this. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore... We are ambassadors for Christ, making his appeal through us. Listen to this. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Have you been reconciled to God? Did you even know that you were not reconciled to God? That you can't just claim to have walked through the doors of a church one day and say, I'm, I, you know, I'm a Christian. I've been reconciled to God. You can't say, I know I've been a bad person, but I'm working on that. And I know that when I stand before God, he's going to look at my life and say, I've done more good than bad, and, and he's going to let me in. That is not what it's all about. We do not get to dictate to God the terms by which we will be reconciled to him. God owes us nothing. He is not our equal. We don't negotiate with him how we will be brought into his presence. All reconciliation that happens between sinful humanity and God happens through Christ and Christ alone. 
if you saw nothing else today, you should have seen the great lengths to which God went, not having to. Do you understand that? Did God, uh, the first slide I said, reconciliation is needed. Did God need reconciliation with us? No. Could God have been perfectly righteous to say, all of humanity is condemned because of Adam? He would have been perfectly just and righteous in doing what he did, in condemning to death humanity. Because we are unrighteous before him. We are dead to rights in our sin. But God, because of his love and his grace and his mercy, commissioned the Son to take on human flesh, to be the atoning sacrifice, the mediator, to be the one who would cleanse us by his blood and bring us to God that we might be holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Have you been reconciled to God? If you have not, then I can't say anything other than you must come to Christ or you will face condemnation. And so again, I repeat what what Paul said. I implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our Savior. Lord, we thank you for your heart of compassion that we would even have a Savior. We don't deserve a Savior, Father, but you willingly, gladly provided one for us. We don't deserve reconciliation. You willingly, gladly, out of a loving heart because of who you are, provided the way of reconciliation. Lord, we thank you for that perfect way opened for us through Christ, through his blood, through his atoning sacrifice. And I pray, God, that there, if there are any here today that have not been reconciled to you, that today would be the day that they understand their need to be reconciled to you and that they would reach out and by faith take what you have so willingly paid the price to give. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing, You Are My King. If you need to make a decision this morning, use this time to make a decision as we all sing together.
you'll be seated for just a brief moment. <clears throat> Take an opportunity and update some prayer requests, um, our prayer list. Um, I reached out to Mar- Martha, Marcia today to find out how Larry is doing. Um, last I heard was that they were hoping to lower his oxygen and get him out of ICU today. Does anyone have any update? Okay, so that's the last thing we all heard. Okay. Um, continue to pray for Chris Chumney. He's dealing with uh, COVID as well. And uh, I think he was moved uh, to a hospital that could give him some more uh, specific care. They had a machine that was going to be able to remove um, carbon dioxide from his blood so that he could, uh, his oxygen level hopefully could come up. Pray for Doris LaFond. I'm sure you know that her daughter, um, Missy, passed away. Um, I can't remember exactly the day, but there. They had the, the memorial. It wasn't a service. They just had a gathering for family and friends to remember her. So continue to pray, pray for Doris and for Missy's husband, Robin, and their family. Um, pray for, continue to pray for Tommy and Joyce's family and the loss of Joyce. Uh, pray for Rachel Keeney. I understand that she's been able to come home. They had to deliver her baby early because she had COVID, and I understand that I think they're both doing well. I also understand that the church voted to give them $500 last uh, Sunday night, so I'm sure appreciative of that. Uh, pray for Marsha's brother, Robert Box, who's recovering from surgery. Uh, Rose Gray, I believe, came home this week. She had been on 71. Um, that's all the ones I know of off the top of my head. Does anyone else have... Um, any updates you want to share or anything new? I mean, this is, this is not just a time to update the prayer list, but if there's anything, I mean, we are a church family. If you feel like sharing something, hey, church family, we need to pray for this. That, that's what this is about. Yes, sir. <clears throat> I heard that, but I haven't heard confirmation that he's ill. Okay, we've heard that John Holly is, is uh, ill, perhaps with COVID, but we don't, we don't know for sure. Anyone else? All right, well, let's stand. We'll have a word of prayer. We'll say the Great Commission, and we'll be dismissed. Father, we're so grateful once again for our reconciling Savior and for the reconciling work that he did. Uh, Lord, help us to be in awe and wonder, uh, full of worship and praise for the steps that you have taken to draw us to yourself, um, things that we would have never thought of, uh, things that are so far below us that... um, they would have been out of our realm of ability to even accomplish, but they were, they were a light thing to you, to be able to extend your hand to us and to receive us to yourself. Lord, we pray for Larry and for John. Pray for uh, Rachel Keeney and baby Liam. We pray for Doris um, and also pray for Tommy and their family. Uh, God, we know that there's a great many in our community uh, that need a touch from you, and I pray that they would know that your presence is real that they would feel that you're near and know that you feel of them and care for them very much. Pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Let's say the Great Commission together will be dismissed. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God bless you. Have a great day.